Today is about asking good questions. Love asks good questions. When I spoke about listening, we looked at some texts from the Bible. Let's take a look at that. To answer before listening, that's a folly and a shame. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Here's one I really like from a psychologist. Being listened to is so close to being loved that most people cannot tell the difference. And here's a really good one from a Christian philosopher. The first duty of love is to listen. Isn't that amazing? Love and listening are virtually synonymous in our experience. And then my favorite from a preacher I really, really like, to love is to listen and to listen is to love. That's me. I said that. I thought it was good. Thank you. I'm just glad you're listening. (laughs) Nothing communicates love like listening, especially when you're listening to someone you fundamentally disagree with. You see, listening is the ultimate sign of respect. And we're not talking about the normal human listening we do where you're standing there just waiting for your opportunity to win the argument. You know that kind of listening? Like you're not listening to understand them. You're not listening to understand why they think the way they think. You're waiting for an opportunity to destroy what they just said. How often do we win the argument, and lose the relationship. Now, we're talking about real listening. And listening becomes love when our motive is to more deeply understand the person we're listening to. It cares more about the person than the issue. Could you just let that sink in for a minute? It cares more about the person than the issue. It asks the question, I wonder why they believe what they believe. It's motivated by desire to know who they are, why and how they've come to believe what they believe. And it views the argument not as something to win, but as a vehicle for coming to know them better. So, how do you listen well? You learn to ask good questions. Good, honest, probing questions. One writer summarized the neuroscience of asking questions as follows. Questions trigger a mental reflex known as instinctive elaboration. When a question is posed, it takes over the brain's thought process. And when your brain is thinking about the answer to a question... It can't contemplate anything else. Isn't that amazing? Do you know, he did research, and uh, actually he cites research by psychologists that did did a test, simply asking a person if they were going to buy a car within the next six months increased the likelihood of them doing it by 35%. Just asking the question. Are you thinking about this? No, but I am now. Want a car? 
want a car, must have a new car. Isn't that amazing, the power of a question? Asking a question affirms the value of the person being asked. It's a way of saying, I believe what you say matters. You matter. Here's one I really like. Research, neuroscientific research has shown that questions that involve asking a person their opinion activates the pleasure center of their brain and dopamine is released. Just asking them their opinion conveys such value on the person that they're actually experiencing a heroin response. Well, a tiny one, of course. Asking someone their opinion bestows value on them. Now, because a question focuses the person's brain singularly on answering the question, asking someone a personal question compels them to think more deeply about the issue they would normally not be thinking about. Isn't that interesting? How important is asking a question? How many questions do you think Jesus asked in the four Gospels? It's open book. Take a guess. How many questions do you think he asked in the four Gospels? One hundred and seventy-five. But get this. I decided, I wonder how frequently per page these questions are rising. So I took the four Gospels in my Bible and I took the number of pages. There was 116 pages. But there's 175 questions. So we're looking at 1.5 questions per page. A question and a half every page. But listen, it's much more than that because a whole lot of the pages are narrative stories. They're not him saying anything. When you take out the narrative stories and you just look at his teachings, we're up to over two questions a page. Jesus led people through questions. Good, probing questions. When you ask a person a deep, probing question, it often triggers an epiphany for them. A greater self-understanding, a greater understanding of the truth, a greater understanding of their situation. And Jesus was the master of leading through questions. Here's two of them. And you'll remember these right away because he asked these often. When he began his mentorship of his disciples, the first thing he said of them, what was it? What did he say? What do you want? What do you want? How many times did he ask a sick person, do you want to get well? What a cruel and unkind question. Hello, I've been here for 38 years. I'm crippled. I'm waiting to be healed at this pool, waiting for a miracle. And Jesus says, do you want to get well? Seriously? You know, today, if someone asked that question of a sick person, 
who'd been sick for 38 years, do you want to get well? It would seem insensitive and you'd probably be accused of being offensive. Why did Jesus ask it? Why did Jesus ask it? Well, the sad fact is we often ask God for things that we have not thought about the consequence of receiving. Hello? Oh, Jesus, I'm going to the service station today. I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. The lottery is now over a billion dollars. Jesus, make my ticket the winning ticket. I really could bless a lot of people with a billion dollars. For you, Lord. It's all for you. It's for the kingdom, Lord. Just give me that billion dollars and watch what I could do with it. What if you've never asked yourself the question, is my faith strong enough to survive that blessing? What would that blessing do to my relationship with God? How would it change my character? Am am I ready for something like that? Could I survive? I mean, morally? Psychologically? What would it do to my relationships with the people I know? There was a lottery winner. She won over a billion dollars. She won over a billion dollars. And when you buy the ticket, it says that they can do, the lottery commission, whatever, can do whatever they want with the information. And you've just won over a billion dollars. So like now you're a celebrity. You're going to get interviewed on TV and you're going to appear in magazines and all this stuff. And they came to her and said, you know, okay, now that you've won the money, here's what you have to do. You you have to appear in public. You you have to make these... uh, these appointments and things, and, and, and we're going to tell the world about you. She got a lawyer to try to stop them from saying anything about the fact that she won the lottery. She lost. They have a right to this. You signed an agreement implicitly when you bought the ticket. You see, she had not asked the question, what would winning do to my life? Is winning this really a good thing? So Jesus asks this crippled man, well, do you want to get well? What's he really asking? Have you thought about how your life is going to change? You've been a beggar for 38 years. This is the only life you've known, basically. You're used to receiving everything from people. Do you know that if you're healed... Today, if I heal you today, what are you going to do for work? Have you thought about a job? Where are you going to live? What Jesus was really asking him is, are you ready for the change that this is going to bring? If you win a billion dollars, are you strong enough to withstand the temptation that comes with great wealth? Have you asked yourself the question, 
What is most important to me? Great wealth or my relationship with God? Because great wealth is going to test your relationship with God. Most of the questions that Jesus asked were what we'd call open-ended questions. They weren't capable of a yes or no answer. They were questions that provoked us to thought. The best questions demand serious thought and reflection. They don't just deal with questions of fact. They deal with questions of emotion, opinion, goals, and dreams. They deal with possibilities and potential. Vision and passion. And by so doing, they bring us alive to our future and our highest potential. Do you ask yourself those kinds of questions? What do I really want? Do I really want to change? Do I really want to grow? Is my relationship with God more important to me than anything else in my life? Am I living as if my relationship with God is the most important thing in my life? Now, it should be obvious that Asking these kinds of questions is not about winning an argument. It's about helping someone or myself to see the situation and my beliefs or their beliefs clearly with respect to what I really, what they really want. So when you ask someone a deep question like that, it is an act of love. Because you are trying to open their mind to the possibilities of their potential and of their future and what they're really made for. You see, the problem is that the busyness of life, the pace of life, the issues of life distract us entirely from asking ourselves or anybody else these kinds of questions. And deep inside you was potential and dreams and vision that God put into you even as a child, which would be the fulfillment of your longing, the fulfillment of your creation and who you really are. It would be the source of great significance. And you've forgotten it. The devil's lied to you that you didn't really hear him. Life's not turning out that way. Just calm down and settle for second best. Don't believe for anything more. Don't ask these kinds of deep and hard questions. Not of yourself, and certainly don't ask anybody else. Just let sleeping dogs lie. And so, most of the time we do. Good questions about helping someone to see their situation or their beliefs clearly with respect to what they really want. Jesus didn't push people forward to their goal. He stood in front of them and touched their hearts and and brought to life their longings and he reached into their heart 
brought their desires and their longings to their attention and he pulled them forward. That's leadership through influence. And Jesus was profoundly influential. Jesus asked two more questions that we would do very well to ask ourselves and be prepared and willing to ask others. Two questions, and aren't they wonderful? Who do you say I am, and do you love me? Who do you say I am, and do you love me? These two questions are the most important questions anyone can ask themselves or others. They go to the heart of the matter. Ultimately, the quality of our lives and our eternities is determined by the answer to these two questions. Who do you say I am? And in the light of that, do you love me? Causes me to ask the question, who is Jesus to me? How important to me is my relationship with him? And am I living as if my relationship with him is my most valuable possession? We spend so much time trying to minimize our exposure to risk. We spend so much time trying to minimize our exposure to pain and loss. But that pain and that exposure to risk and that anxiety and fears that we live with, they are actually gifts that help us to ask a deeper question. Who is Jesus to me? And do I really love him? And am I I going to reach out to him for the help that I really need? Is he everything to me? Is he the answer to my situation? Is he the answer to my prayers? And if so, if that's true and he is, how am I going to live with respect to him? These are the gut check questions that we should ask regularly of ourselves, but they're also the questions we should ask lovingly of one another. I've got a question I regularly ask my friends How's your relationship with God going? What can you do to make it better? These these aren't pass fail questions. I'm not asking them out of a desire to judge. They're just questions we should ask ourselves, but we miss because of the chaotic nature of our lives. Asking good questions about things that really matter is an act of love. And listening to the answers attentively is what creates a loving relationship, even when we disagree with some of the answers. Make sense? Are you willing to give it a try? Maybe you don't know them as well as you think you know them. See, ignorance is not always bliss, especially in relationships. Okay, I'm guilty of premature conclusion. So I have a few minutes and I would love to talk with you. 
What are you thinking? What do you think about what I've just said? What questions does it raise in your minds? How does it affect your emotions? Did y'all did 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 y'all hear what she said? She said she said the real issue is not the chaos in her life; it's the selfishness in her heart, because she realizes, and this is really true. You just nailed it. If she begins to ask people these kind of genuine probing questions, then now she's obligated to listen and listen some more and go deep. And all of a sudden, they're saying things she might not want to hear that is going to make a demand on her. And certainly take up a whole lot more time than, hi, how are you doing? Fine, good, me too. And we call that fellowship. What else is on your mind? What else do you, what, yeah? Yeah. Check, check. It's green. There we go. Um, I was at a conference. lasted about a week. And about the second night of the conference, a guy came forward for um, healing. We ended up counseling upstairs in a little room. And it took a long time of questioning. But what it came down to was he hated his father and he would not forgive his father. And... I said to him, I don't think this prayer for healing is going to work. It hasn't worked so far, and we've just identified this issue you have with your dad. And he really hated him. I mean, it wasn't just a disagreement. It was a festering hatred. And I said, I don't think we can go further in praying for this healing without you forgiving your dad. And I wasn't trying to be cruel about that. I just had a deep conviction from the Lord that it was not going to happen until he forgave his father. So I said, are you willing to forgive your father? And he said, no. And I said, well, we're done until tomorrow. I said, why don't we get together tomorrow after you've prayed and thought about it a while and and maybe you'll be ready to forgive your father then. He came back the next day and he said, I'm ready to forgive my father. I want to be well. And uh, he forgave his father and he was healed. See, it's just, if we don't ask these kinds of questions, we'll never really understand what's wrong. And if we don't know what's wrong, we don't know how to pray well. What else? Just a sec. 
This is a good opportunity. Rich, uh, Rick just uh, advertised his ministry. <laughs> well, and so he should. This is the subject we're on right now. Healing comes when you discover what's really going on at a deep level. And you get, you get to ask God questions. And he actually communicates the answer to you about you and your situation. And it ends up setting you free. So if anyone's dealing with things where you're, we're getting, you're getting to the point in your life where you're ready to start asking these deeper, difficult questions, go see Rick. I'm not kidding. Go see Rick and go through some sozos. Sozo means healing in, in Greek. Go, go do some sozo sessions, and, and I have personally, and it absolutely rocked my world. I tell you a story. We were bringing the sozo ministry into our church, and John said, uh, if we're going to have the sozo ministry in our church, the staff should go and experience it so we know what we're talking about, and we, and we understand the language uh, that's being used, and we can help people to, to find that, that ministry. And I said, I've been teaching that kind of stuff for 25 years. I don't need it. I don't need it. I understand it already. He said, well, you know, it's, you need to do it. It's a requirement. I said, okay, I'll go. So I went out to Oceanside, and these two lovely uh, young ladies are sitting there, and, and they said, why are you here? And I said, because I have to be. <laughs> My boss said I need to go through this to understand it, but I've taught it for 25 years. In fact, I taught the precursor material before you guys named it. So I think I know more about it than you do. Na 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 na. And and I told jokes. I had them laughing for over an hour. We just kidded around, and they said, "Okay, you can go." And I said, "I had this pang of conscience." I said, "You know, I really need to do this because I've been asked to do it, and I should. So let's just hurry up and do it." And they said, "Okay, we're going to start to pray." And we started to pray, and then I had a vision. I saw. saw my mother and father in heaven together. They'd never gotten along very well. In this vision, they were holding hands. They were so happy. And then I saw all these people that had left my church. And we're all together in heaven, in the presence of God. And the joy was overwhelming. And I cried for over half an hour and there was snot on the floor and on my hands and on my shirt and the girls were laughing because they'd got me. <laughs> Little Mr. Arrogant is now drooling on the floor like a baby. I left there so happy. I left there so happy. You walk around thinking you don't have any issues, you're an idiot. You have issues coming out the yin-yang. All your friends know you have issues. They all know you have issues. And they're afraid to tell you because you're defensive about them. And you don't want to face them. So they don't tell you, but they're sure praying to God that someone would. And they're saying, God, you need to tell her what an idiot she is. And God goes, no, your turn. You tell her what an idiot she is. Oh, I would. No, she'd get mad at me. And you don't think she'd get mad at me? I commissioned you to go out, go into all the earth and ask good questions. No, you didn't. I implied it. I led that way. It's what I did. Don't you think you could try it? It's really hard and embarrassing. No, come on. Give it a go. 
What else? Anyone else want to get yelled at? I, I, that's a good question. She said, how do you, how do you ask really good questions when, when they're stuck on a, on a pattern and they're not really making any progress and you're, you're trying to go deeper, but you don't know how I think we should pattern our questions on Jesus questions. I think we should ask questions that get down to what do you really want? What is, what, what is your deepest desire? What, what makes you come alive? What restores your passion? What wakes you up? What brings you joy? Where does it come from? What do you really want? Now, those are positive questions. What do you really want? But there's negative ones. What do you fear most? What's your deepest unanswered prayer? Where does your greatest anxiety come from? When do you feel fear the most? And you listen... Those are general questions, and you don't know what they're going to say. But when they say something, it'll prompt another question. That's what I was trying to do with Ariane. Where did your passion, you're so passionate about this abortion issue. Where did that come from? Story. How did that affect, how does that affect you today? What are you living with now that came out of that? And... If we'd had more time, the next question would have been, how, and, and I mean this gently, and I mean this lovingly, how do you deal with what the Bible says about the origin of life for a child? And the Lord says, I planned your existence thousands of years ago. I named you before you were in the womb. I know you. I chose you. How do you deal with that? What, what's the right thing? What do we do? No judgment, not trying to trap. Just it's, a, it's the next question that says, what do we do about this problem? And the, 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 the best questions are not determined by an idea ahead of time of where you want to take them. You shouldn't take them anywhere. You should take them where the answers take them. And the next best question to ask comes out of the last answer you actually listen to. If you're really listening, you want to understand the person. You want to be able to help them confront who they really are and figure out their deepest desires and their fears. And you're just trying to help set them free. You want them to encounter God in the process. Well, that's a heck of a good question, Rick. Try this. When in doubt, ask God. If you don't know what the next question could be, pause and ask the Lord what you should ask. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with dead air. On the radio, dead air is anathema. In human relationships, there's nothing wrong with pausing when you don't really know what to ask next. Exactly, yeah. 
Exactly. That's what in, in the law we call leading questions. A lawyer uses leading questions to bring them to the conclusion he had in mind. And believe me, when you know it's happening, it's manipulation. When someone's leading you with questions, you recognize it and you're being manipulated. I'm not talking about asking them questions to reach the conclusion I want. You're asking them questions so that they will understand themselves better and understand God in their lives better and understand the purpose for which they were made you're trying to help them to fulfillment, to be all that they can be in, in, in the purposes of God and his plan for their life. And you're helping them to confront the things in them at a deep level that are frustrating that growth. A question I often ask people is, if you could control your life, which of course they all think they can, if you actually could control yourself, what do you want your life to look like 10 years from now? What would you be doing 10 years from now? How would you be living? What would you be living for? What would be bringing you a sense of fulfillment 10 years from now? And believe me, most of us have not thought about that. And when they answer, the next good question is, What's the next step for you? And what's standing in the way? It gets profound pretty fast, but it really gets helpful pretty fast. Okay, we're going to close. Let me pray for you, all right? Father, you've uh, stirred up us. You've stirred up our hearts and our minds about this and asking ourselves good questions and asking others good questions. It would be a shame. It would be wrong to leave here and do nothing with this. So, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to please speak to us right now in this moment, someone we can ask these questions of and asking these questions of ourselves. Some application in the relationships we're in that we can go deeper with one another towards your purposes that we can practice doing this and get better at it because I know we can. So Holy Spirit, don't leave us without an application. I pray you speak to each one of us, how can I do this and practice this and where should I begin and with who should I begin? And God, help us to be fearless about asking ourselves these kinds of questions. Amen. I think we're going to change our title to The Sage. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down front. And uh, Jesus, I, I have like four or five. I have testimonies already stacked up. We didn't do a testimony today. Every Sunday, we usually hear a testimony of an answered prayer throughout the week. And uh, I've got them kind of stacking up in queues. So next Sunday, I'm going to release a few of them. Uh, but um, a lot of the testimonies come from these prayer teams down front. So you need uh, healing in your body or maybe uh, you need prayer around the, what, was, what was taught today um, or you've never given your life to Jesus and your sins are not yet forgiven you have to come to him one of the questions asked by someone this week that came to the Lord she said how do I connect with God and I said through his son 
and I read the scripture, nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. Very exclusive. And uh, it's because it's true. And she came to the Lord and uh, experienced peace that she'd never known before because that's the first thing Jesus will give to you. But, but that's because the burden of your sins rolls off your soul. Only he can do that. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to meet you right down front here. I'd love to pray with you or maybe answer questions you might have about Christianity. But if I could ask the prayer teams to come down front, let's all stand. Lord, thank you so much for this day and how you spoke so powerfully through Mark and your presence so strong in communion and worship. We just love coming together and loving you and loving each other. Lord, I bless your people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and may they feel your presence all week long. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. See you at a connect group for next Sunday. Come down for prayer. Try.